88 degrees in here, and it wasn't even on yet. So we're just dying on stage, having heat flashes. I was joking around saying that we were all going through menopause, but that, I don't know if that's really a joke or not. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. But we are continuing on with our Chosen series, episode four. I know we skipped around a bit, right? We started off with three, went to one, two, and then now we're on four. And uh, how many of you have uh, already watched the episode? How many of you loving the series, the Chosen series? Amen. Yeah, you can give a hand for that. It's, uh, it's been so encouraging for me personally to, to watch the series because it, it provides just a, a new perspective and not only a new perspective on just what was going on at the time because there's a lot of blanks, right, in the Bible. Like, we don't know what happened, the little things. And so this is their, their idea or thought of what has happened in those small little areas. And it's super fun and interesting to see what could have been what it could have been like. And it's also been helping me to just reflect on my own life, my own personal walk with God, and how God has touched my life, how he saved me, encouraged me, challenged me. And it, it's just been so good. So I, I wanted to start off with this story. So when I was, when I was young, my dad and I were going to build a kite. Anybody built a kite before? Yeah, only a few. Nice. I feel, I feel privileged <laughs> that, I, that I built a kite. So my dad and I were sitting down on, on, uh, on a table outside of our house in Kihei, and we got the paper set up. We have the, the uh, skewers ready to go. We got the string. We got scissors, tape, glue. Got the... Uh, the exacto knife and it's all ready to go and we start doing some stuff and then my dad forgets something in the house and he goes okay wait for me just wait specifically do not touch the razor blade and guess what happened next yeah i touched the razor blade i slipped my finger and I was so scared. I didn't want to not make the kite. I wanted to make the kite. And I was like, okay, I have to. And there was like a little bit of blood on the table where I cut my finger. And I was like, I need to cover it with something. So I grabbed the quarter and I smushed the quarter over the blood so that he wouldn't find the blood or see the blood when he came up. But here I am sitting down. I'm holding my hand underneath the table. Like nothing happened, yeah? Looking completely guilty that I did something wrong. Found out we still made the kite. But it, it, it's, I, I tell that story because it, the, in, within this episode, we, we see Simon. We see Peter just kind of struggling within himself to, to have to fix everything himself, to do everything himself, to be that, that independent person. Yeah. And. I wanted to try it myself. I wanted to do it myself. And look where it got me. It got my finger cut because I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And I could have avoided that if I just listened, you know, 
sat there nicely and just been patient, or instead of playing with the knife, I could have played with the dowels or, or the paper or something else, anything but the razor blade, but I did. But as humans, we, we have this sense and desire to, to be independent. To, to not have to rely on others, especially men. Yeah, men, we don't want to rely anybody, on anybody else. We, we want to be the one that people rely on. It feels better. It strokes our ego <laughs> when people want to rely on us. But sometimes it just leads to failure. Leads to, to, to burnout, to being overwhelmed. And other times it does lead to success. There's a spectrum. However, regardless in any of that, whether the outcome be good or bad, when we try to be independent and on our own, like God still just wants to be close to us. He wants to lead us. He wants to be with us. He wants to be a part of everything that we're doing. And it's interesting that when, when we are... When we are empty, when we are at our lowest, when we are in desperation and God comes in, we, you just feel so encouraged in those moments. You feel empowered, like you can keep going when you would normally feel like you can't go on anymore. But our first clip, we're going to see Simon or Peter. And he's finally telling his wife, Eden, the truth of what's going on financially for them, that he's in over his head. And I love her reaction to this. I, I hope we all have arguments like this, where one side gives good truth in a loving way. Amen? Good truth in a loving way, in an argument that is the best. So let, let's watch this first clip. Uh, I can't do this anymore. Please, please listen to me. I haven't been honest with you. There's no woman. It's not gambling. Look, a few days ago, I looked you in the eyes and I told you, I've got this. I lied. What do you mean? I've been fishing on Shabbat because I've had no choice. Andrew has texted. I've got texted. We haven't been able to keep up. I did some things I'm not proud of to fix it, and now it's gone bad. And we're in trouble. We? What do you mean? I, I'm in trouble. But we, because I need a miracle, or I can be in big trouble. I'm not a child. Stop speaking of riddles. Tell me what's happening. I could go to prison. We could lose the house. What? Look out in my ear. It's from a Roman. Simon! If I don't catch a ton of fish or get some help somehow, they'll arrest me. Or kill you. They are Romans. Yeah, so I need to go Go now. where? The fish. I got to spend the rest of the week doing nothing but catch every fish I can and hope I can fix this somehow. So that's why we can't take your Ema. It's just not possible. No, right? she has nothing to do with this. I would not let you punish her for your sins. Eden, you can't do you this alone. can't tell me what I can or can't do. You have had your eyes closed around here, and God is with me, even if you aren't. Sorry. Where is your faith? Hmm? What? You heard me. 
isn't gonna get me more fish. I'm not talking about tonight. I am talking about long before tonight. You've been different. Before it was gambling, and now it's working, and trying to do everything yourself. It's a popular Simon, fixing everything and charming everyone all by yourself. And fishing on holy days without even thinking about it, with no respect for our God. What about Pikoch Nefesh? We can break a commandment to save a life. Our lives are at stake you don't here. You know that because you have not pursued the Lord lately. Not like the man that I married. That is why you are stuck and you feel desperate and now you're off to try to fix it yourself again. honest with me. But no more talking. Maybe God can get your attention now. It was years, probably, that brought on this change in Peter's life. It wasn't something that happened just overnight. That it, it was a gradual decline, a gradual turning from his faith. And a lot of times I feel like we do, this, we do the same thing. We'll be walking towards God, and when everything is good, we'll begin to turn. God is still in the exact same place, but when we turn, he just gets a little bit more out of our sight. And we, we can still see him. And we turn just a little bit more, and then he's in it just in our peripherals. And we continue on, and we continue on, and we turn a little bit more, and then by that time, we can barely see him because he's not in our focus. And we end up walking this life on our own. Walking this life on our own. In Luke 5, 1 through 11, which is the... The story in the Bible that this, is, that this is based on, this episode, says that on one occasion, while the crowd was pres uh, pressing in on him to, fear, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out onto the, into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking and signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they had come... When they came and filled both boats, so much so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. 
And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now let's watch this second clip. People bark sometimes too. Cast after cast. I will make your descendants as many as the stars in the heavens. And then what? Huh? Make the chosen as many as the stars. Only to let Egypt enslave us for generations. Bring us out of Egypt. Part the Red Sea. Only to let us wander in the desert for 40 years. Give us the land. Only to let us be exiled in Babylon. Bring us back only to be crushed by Rome. This is the God I've served so faithfully my entire life. You're the God I'm supposed to thank. You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you enjoy yanking us around like goats and can't decide whether we're chosen or not. Which one is it? I think that may have been pretty accurate of what went down that night. But Peter has this dilemma of just straight of failure. The Romans are on, are on him, which at that time, they could kill anybody they wanted to. So his life was at stake. Not only that, they were behind on their taxes, going to lose the, the boat, the, the only source of income. Not only that, but maybe even the house as well because the debts are so high. That's a real situation, very applicable even to us right now. Simon... He, he, he answers Jesus when he's talking to him in verse 5, and he says, We toiled all night and took absolutely nothing. We took nothing. Failure, living independent of God, on his own power, on his own strength, forsaking his faith to make ends meet. Sometimes we're tempted to do the same, to fall and just to abandon our faith. Just because we need to survive. We abandon our principles to survive. And we even question, is it even worth? Sometimes when things are going good and we want them to be even better, sometimes we even question, it, like, is it even worth it? Is it even worth it to live the way the Bible tells us and the way that God leads us? And Peter has abandoned hope for success. Just comes back in, doesn't even stay out there. He's like, it's done, it's over. I'm finished. In verse 2, it's, it's, it shows this. The fishermen had gone out and were washing their nets. They were done for the day. 
They were done. They were going to accept their fate, done for good. Just going to wait for the Romans to come for him, come for their house, come for everything. Sometimes I've, I've gotten to this point. It's just too much. You know, you just, you give up. You just accept the failure. You accept the defeat because of the circumstances. But I'm thank, I thank God and I praise God all the time because he did not leave me alone. He didn't leave me in that state. And I gave Jesus access to my heart, which is what Peter did with Jesus. He allowed Jesus access onto his boat. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Peter gave Jesus access to his boat. Allowed him to use what he had. He gave him access in his weakness, which opened the door to his heart. Allowed him to hear Jesus' teachings whether in business, financial, relational, spiritual, or any other area you can think of, Jesus is asking for access, and we have the choice of allowing it or not. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast in all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weakness. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is good. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Zach. Why don't we thank him for sharing those words this morning. <clears throat> How many are glad that when you're in trouble, that's not the end? You know, it's like reading through a book. You're reading a portion of the book, and you're just halfway through and that's not the end of the story yet. You know, there's a lot more uh, to the content of our lives. And what we find when Peter is at the end of his ropes, that's where God wanted him to come. And God wants us to come to that place where we can't do it ourselves. We don't have enough strength. We don't have enough wisdom. We don't have enough resources. We don't have what we need in order to be able to get the job done, and we are desperate. <laughs> God loves our desperation. <laughs> and I think sometimes because we live in such a, uh, a culture that provides luxury and abundance to us in our lives, uh, we have more than anyone else in the world. I mean, we are really amazingly blessed. <laughs> and yet it the uh, in the midst of our need, that's when the Lord shows up. And uh, I, like, I like this thought. Jesus directs us, and Peter consents to the direction. doesn't say he, uh, he embraced it gladly. You know, it just, there's this hesitancy in, his, in how he responds. Uh, because... Jesus, as he's finishing speaking to the crowd, he says to Simon, knowing what Simon has gone through that night, knowing the problem that he's facing, he says, uh, row out a little further into the deep water and then cast your net for a catch. And Simon's thinking, this guy doesn't understand fishing. <laughs> he's a carpenter. He's not a fisherman. 
And so he's puzzled looking at this man. He says, we have, we have fished all night. We, we've expended all our energy. Uh, there is no fish out there. And he's got all kinds of excuses. And I can, I can hear this, um, this sense of frustration in his voice when he's saying, but if you say so and you want me to do this, at your, and so there's a tremendous hesitation on Peter's part. At your word, I will let down the nets. I'll do it. I don't want to do it. I don't think it's wise to do it. I don't think there's going to be anything that comes from it. I don't know if you've ever come to a point like that, you know, where the Lord wants you to do something and you don't think anything's going to come out of it. And you just say, okay, I'll do it, but... Um, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> and then you get surprised at what, what God does. Um, we were probably in one of the most uh, important crossroads of our church's life <clears throat> probably about 20 years ago. I just think it's maybe five years ago. Time goes by so fast. But it's 20 years ago. We were in a conference <clears throat> in Anaheim, and um, we were debating what church family to belong to. Because as, uh, as Grace Bible Churches, we just had us primarily contacts in Asia, you know, in China, in Philippines, in Japan, Hong Kong. And it was a very, when young people wanted to go out to missions, you know, we just said, oh, just go out to Asia. And if they wanted to go to South America, to Africa, to Europe, we don't have any contacts there. So we were looking for a larger church family to be a part of, and um, we came across Every Nation. We were in an Every Nation conference in Anaheim, and it was so, so powerful. I mean, they had, I think this is the one that had the Chinese uh, apostle who was uh, an apostle to 10 million um, Chinese, uh, huge revivals going on in China, and at the risk of his life, and I, I I heard that after he went back, he was, uh, he had to come out under a false identity and pretend that he was someone else, and he got caught and was put into prison. <clears throat> but we were there, and the last night of that conference, they asked for a special offering. And, you know, at my, I was just thinking, I'm not really sure we're going to be part of this, uh, this organization yet, but they were asking for an offering. And during the whole conference, I, I just felt like God was saying, this is where you belong. You belong to this church family. And a few days before the last day, they said, please pray about this. And I was praying, and I felt the Lord tell me, give $5,000. We didn't have $5,000. Just give $5,000. <clears> and I never make a decision without my wife feeling really good about it. So... I told my wife, you know, you pray too, and let's see what uh, God says. And I was really sure she wasn't going to come up with $5,000. <laughs> and on Friday night, when the offering was taken, I put my $5,000 on a piece of paper, and I wanted to see what her piece of paper said. And I looked, and she had $5,000 on it, and I thought, oh, no, we're going to have to give $5,000 now. <laughs> And 
I was wondering, how, how are we going to pay this? I don't know how we're going to do this, you know. <clears throat> and um, came back that Sunday. That was Friday. On Sunday, I walked into service here. And a guy by the name of Rich Marshall, he, he wrote this book, God at Work, was uh, the speaker. And his forte was talking about people in business and how they serve God in business. And I walked in. I got acquainted with him. I heard about him before, but we never met. I, we didn't have a chance to get together since I just get, got back to the mainland. And we're, I'm talking to Rich, and he looks at me. He says, can I change my message? And I said, uh, yeah, sure. What, what do you want to preach? I said, I want to talk about money. I said, well, fine, go ahead, you know. And he presented to us for the first time this whole teaching on first fruits offering, which is when you get uh, a bump in your uh, pay, that you take the whole sum and give it to the Lord and then tithe after that. And so he began teaching that. And, and I didn't realize that people in our church just didn't know what to do with the money that they were getting as a, uh, access, excess money uh, from their previous uh, paychecks. And <clears throat> so he asked that morning, he said, if you have had increases in your pay and you have not, you didn't know what to do with it, this is what you need to do with it. And I was shocked. You know, he asked everybody to give that morning. And there was $10,000 that came in and he said, that money should go to your pastor. You know, I, I accepted it, but in, in the book, that uh, the accounting books, we take that and we put it into a leadership fund. But we were able to take 5000 pay it off, and had more than what we needed. You know? And I believe that when God says something and we hear it, at thy word, however hesitant you might be to accept that word from God, and you say, okay, to the Lord... Uh, he does amazing, amazing things. So we'll watch this clip at, uh, of what happens with Peter when he listened to what the Lord said. Simon, it's him. Excuse me. That's him, Simon, that's him. No time for this, Andrew. It's him, Simon, it's the man. John said he's here, right now. May I ask a favor? I'm teaching these people, and apparently they're having trouble hearing me. If I could stand on your boat, that would be helpful. They're having trouble hearing you, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Please, please, stand on our boat. Thank you. I need to go. I'm sorry. No time for this today. Stay a few moments longer. I have something for you. For me? Uh, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. Just allow me a few moments, please. Sam, trust me as I have trusted you. This man is the Messiah. It's good to see you again, Andrew. Yes. I'm Jesus. Thanks for this. Simon. In my last moments with you, I want to share another story. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Yes. Well, let's thank our friends for this strong boat, huh? Thank you. 
Trust me, my yelling voice is not easy on the ears. Because I'm on this boat, my final parable should be about fishing, yes? Simon, please send me that net. When this net is thrown into the sea, what happens, Simon? Well, I mean most of the time. It gathers. A, a little louder. It gathers fish. Yes. This net gathers fish. All kinds of fish, yes? Yes. All kinds of fish. And the kingdom of heaven is like what happens next. After the net is full, Simon and the others draw it to the shore, sit down, and sort out the fish. The good fish go into the barrels, and the bad fish thrown away. So it will be at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. Do you understand? Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, like you all are now, is like the master of a house who brings forth his treasures, both new and old. You are to do the same with this knowledge. These parables I tell make sense to some, not to others. Be patient. That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend. that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. At your word. Push it, push it, hold on! 
brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Wasn't that a powerful, powerful event in scriptures? <clears throat> the, the Bible actually says that there were two boats, and both were filled, and both were sinking <laughs> because there was so much. So when God provides for us, God provides not only what we need, He provides for us more than we need. That's, that's just the way God is. Our, our mentality for... For the longest time in uh, our personal lives, I mean, we came to Maui and we're getting paid in 1974 from our main church in Honolulu, $250 a month. And um, we kind of just scraped by for a long while. When I was in my 40s, I, I realized how important money was, but never really saw uh, any kind of blessing of finances. And somewhere about 55 years old or getting close to 60, I just realized how management of money, being disciplined and giving to God, uh, putting money aside, 
that it was so important. And when we are faithful to serve God, listen to Him, do what He asks us to do, He will speak to us based on the needs in our lives. You know, if you've got a physical need, He wants to do a miracle in, in your physical uh, life. If you've got a uh, marital need, He wants to meet you there. If you've got a vocational need, in whatever area, and there were areas in our finances that I just, God speaks to me through finances. And I, I look back uh, from 2007 to 2015, John and I were one day sitting down and just kind of talking about uh, our, all our financial real estate transactions for our family, for <clears throat> myself, uh, Sharina, David, Jonathan, and in a period of about uh, eight years, we had six million dollars of financial transaction that we were we had uh, completed, and it was uh, with a apartment house, our homes, and I looked at that and I was thinking, what, what happened? How how come what? Why was there such a release of funds for our, ourselves? And they were thinking, oh, maybe we should go into the real estate business, you know, just get our license and then we could have made all the commissions <laughs> on that. <laughs> but this is, and I was thinking about that and I thought, in the midst of all that, this is what was happening. <clears throat> that was the beginning of me taking care of my dad. And having to fly over almost every single week to Oahu. And I don't know if you know about uh, health care, institutional health care, and home care, and the cost of it. You know, at that time, I, I don't know what it is now, but at that time, uh, institutional health care cost was $10,000 a month. Wow, that's huge. And I thought, we're going to have to save on that and just um, take care of my mom and dad at home. You know, it costs $5,000 every single month when you're considering all the help that need, is needed in the home and everything else. And I, that's, that's a $60,000 a year uh, outlay. And I was doing that for three years, almost $200,000, most of it coming from our pocket. And I, I look back now and I say, I don't know where that money came from. Where did it come from? I don't, I don't know where it came from. <clears throat> but one of the things that was really interesting, how many remember in uh, 2007, 2008, about 2010, there was this huge air war going on in, in Hawaii. You know, fares had dropped to about $19 one way. <laughs> and it was just that, that three-year period when I was flying back and forth almost every single week. And I thought, I think the Lord just allowed the airlines to have all those uh, competition just for me. <laughs> and in the, in the, because it would have been a whole lot more than 5000 a month if it was higher. And then there was a, my brother and I uh, was in a real estate transaction. Uh, we needed $300,000, we borrowed it, he was going to take care of half of it, I was going to take care of the other half, and when it came to paying it off, when it was all spent, he didn't have enough money to be able to pay me back. And I had to, 
uh, foot the cost of the whole thing. You know, and what the Lord, what the Lord did was speak to me in regards to that. That, uh, and this is a powerful word. And I, I think whenever you're in a crisis, whenever you're in a bind, whenever you've got a huge challenge in your life, because I was looking at three hundred thousand dollars now to have to pay off, and this is all in the same time that we're we're helping mom and dad. <clears throat> this is what the Lord says. He says, "Love your enemies." Well, my brother's not my enemy. But this is for your enemies. So if it's for your enemies, then so much would it uh, apply to people that you love, right? Do good to them and lend to those without expecting to get anything back. Is that how you lend? <laughs> if somebody wants to borrow money, you know, the Bible says, you know, don't, uh, don't get uh, embroiled in finances with somebody else because you're going to have to you might end up holding the bag, you know, so it's better not, not to co-sign for anything. And, um, but this was a very special kind of situation. I did it. And the Bible says if you're going to get involved in something, just, just be ready to take the whole cost yourself. Lend without expecting anything. Are you ready to do that? And the Lord really challenged me, you know, just do that. And it says, love your enemies, lend to them without expectation to get anything back. We're committed to do that. And then you know what he says? He says, then your reward will be great because you'll, just be, you'll be just like God. And that word great is the word plenteous, numerous, abundant in, in, in the Greek. And I look back and I realize that God was asking for commitments from me for finances because he wanted to bless finances. And I don't know where you are in your own life, and I will have the uh, worship team come on up. But as a result of seeing that abundance of the fish, that was, in that day, that was money. That was their money. That was their livelihood. And, you know, whether it that whole story about being indebted to taxes and all was accurate. I mean, it could have happened or not. There still was something going on in Peter's life where he needed to be able to get some kind of settlement for money because he was desperate. And when he saw the abundance that Jesus could provide, I don't know what was going on in his life. It could have been that he was being threatened by the Romans or, or not, but something was so threatening his life that he realized that God came on the scene and did something miraculous for him. And he bowed down before Jesus and he recognized this is God. And he gave his life uh, to the Lord. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord and he says, depart. I could never understand this in the Bible. Why, Why would he catch fish? All of a sudden, Peter sees his sin. I, I couldn't understand that. So there had to be all kinds of extraneous circumstances involved in that that helped him see his need. And I think God puts us in all kinds of places of need in our lives. Financial, physical, relational, career-wise, in, in so many different areas. Physically, we, we, we can get challenged. And the Lord says, can you believe me that I can do a miracle? Can you trust my word so that at the word of the Lord, you'll respond to the Lord and 
that's the platform for God to do marvelous things. Can we stand together this morning? I want to pray. Can you just open your heart this morning? I don't know where in your life, maybe there's a major crossroads that you're facing. Major decisions you need to make. Commitments that you need to give to God. And you've been struggling. And you're looking and saying, you know, what, what am I supposed to and, and God's giving some clear words to you and you, you're having a hard time uh, responding to that. I just want you to open your heart and say, these words in the scriptures are not just given to elevate an apostle like Peter. It is given for us to be able to be encouraged so that wherever we are at, God can challenge your life and say, trust me. I'm wondering, I, I really feel like there's some of you that are facing a crossroads in your life. You need to make a commitment to follow the Lord, to walk with Him, to do something that maybe is out of the ordinary for you that you've never done before, and God's tugging at your heart. I'm just, I want to pray with you before we sing that God will give you grace, God will... Uh, strengthen your life. God will provide for you what you need to make to take that step. And you just need to be willing to say, here I am, God. Do a work in my life. Can I just see your hands? Anybody facing that kind of crossroads and you need the help of the Lord in your life this morning? There's a whole bunch of you. Father, I just believe you that as you worked in Peter's life, as you worked in Pastor Zach's life, as you worked in so many of our lives, you can work in every single one this morning that as they face these crossroads in their lives and these challenges, that you're going to show yourself to be an amazing, powerful, miraculous God. You will work in us, in our finances. You will work in our physical bodies. You will work in our careers. You will work in all the choices that we make that we will choose for you to honor you and to glorify you. Lord, as you brought Peter to that crossroads, seeing who you are. Help us to see who you are. You are a God of abundance that desires for us to trust you with our lives and our future and all of our resources. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' wonderful name. Throughout this day, throughout this week, throughout your life, the mighty, marvelous, miraculous name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day and a great week.